Well, today we are continuing with part three of our series called Things Jesus Never Said. What are some things that Jesus never said? Well, he never said that if you come to the Father, you're always going to get the best parking spot at the mall. He didn't say that, did he? He didn't say to us, if you lose your life for my sake, the bathroom scale is always going to read the number that you want it to be. Jesus never said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then you'll never get a zit on your face again. Jesus never, ever said any of those things, did he? Now, here's the deal. Jesus actually said part of those things. Each one of those things that I said there, the first part of it was things Jesus actually said, but then the last part, Jesus never said. And that's the problem in our society today. There's so many people, they know a little bit about what Jesus did say, and then they fill in the, the rest of it with what they hope he said, not what he actually said. And so we've got to be very, very careful when we say, well, you know, Jesus said, because a lot of times Jesus never, ever said that. And so today, as we continue on in the, the series, we're going to take a, a look at that of these things that, that Jesus never said. Because, you know, when we the, come up with our own phrases and stuff, that's dangerous. Because we had hoped that, that Jesus would have said certain things. But yet he didn't. And so we got to be very, very careful. So again, what we're going to look at here today is no different than any of these other things that I've talked about. And one of the things that people hoped that Jesus said was that, well... Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will never, ever have a bad day. But Jesus never said that. He did say, blessed are the peacemakers, but he didn't say that we would never, ever have a bad day, which is kind of a bummer, isn't it? Because a lot of us, we think that, well, you know what, if, if I just, if I come into a relationship with Jesus, then now all of a sudden, life is going to be like just fantastic. Like every day is going to be sunny and everything's going to come up smelling like roses. Nothing bad is ever going to happen to me. My Netflix is never going to buffer right in the middle of my favorite show. My wife is never going to have a headache, you know, when I'm in the mood. All the calories are going to be away from coffee and, and cookies and ice cream. And, and just, it's not going to impact me in any way at all just going to continue to have good day after good day after good day. But here's the deal. Jesus never, ever said that. He never promised us that. So what did he actually promise about what our lives are going to look like? Well, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 16. That's where we're going to hang out today again, John chapter 16. Do want to welcome those of you that are watching online with us. You notice in the upper right-hand corner of your screen there, there's a little button called Talk Notes. If you press that, that's going to take you to all the scriptures we're looking at today. Welcome to those of you that are live here in the room as well. If you go to our website, exponential.church, you're going to be able to find the Talk Notes there as well to follow along. Now, as you continue to turn to John chapter 16, let me give you just a little bit of context of some of the things that we're going to look at here today. Basically, in John 16 and then in John 17, Jesus, he is really having a heavy conversation with his disciples. It's 
In fact, a little bit of a mini sermon that he's giving them in John 16. And then when we get to John 17, he's going to pray a prayer for them. He's going to pray a prayer actually for us as well. But again, this is a very, very heavy topic that Jesus is getting into because he's basically telling his disciples, look, I'm getting ready to leave you and you're not going to see me anymore. That's where we'll pick up the story then in John 16, verse 20. The very first part of the verse, he says this. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what's going to happen to me. But what? What's going to happen? But the, the world will rejoice. In these two chapters, John 16 and then 17, Jesus uses this phrase, the world, 19 different times. Now, most of the time, he's contrasting the difference between how the world lives as compared to the people of God. But then he he uses other phrases about the world in this as well. He talks about how the world is going to hate us as followers. He talks about how we're to be in the world, but not of the world. So again, he uses this phrase over and over and over again about the world. So let's go back and read all verse 20 now, and then we'll go into verse 21. Here's what Jesus says. He says, I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but what? The world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It'll be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. Now, ladies, we as guys have no clue how painful childbirth is. I mean, we, we just don't. However, we do have like something else that happens. Gets Newt Bar. Well, and that does... That does not look like it's just a run-of-the-meal, off-the-shin kind of feeling. I mean, he is in some serious... Oh. Think we know why? Yep. Hurt Lars Newtbar. He stayed in the game. Ended up striking out. He was doubled over in pain. Now the Cardinals are back out. That's Adam Olson, the Cardinals head trainer, and Ollie Marmel. They're going to talk to the center fielder about what he's dealing with. That's going to be it for Lars, and wisely so, man. Lars Newtbar means so much to this ball club. He's seeing the push in there on that abdomen. So again, the debate is, what is more painful, women for childbirth or men, <clears throat> you know, getting, getting hit down below? I think the answer is actually pretty simple. Guys never, ever say, hey, let's do that again. Women all the time are going, let's have another baby. All right, I'm, I'm kidding. Ladies, we know that childbirth is much more painful. But the, the point that Jesus is making here is childbirth is very, very painful. But, ladies, isn't this true? After the pain, that moment you held that new baby, all the pain goes away. There's now great joy that you had. The, the pain was well worth it. 
That's what Jesus is talking about here. He says that you're going to have instant joy. So look at verse 22. He says, so you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. Little could the disciples even comprehend in that moment what Jesus was talking about of the pain that they were about to experience not too far in the distant future when they watched Jesus hanging from a cross. The pain of watching him do that. Their friend being tortured. But also they couldn't comprehend the joy that they were going to experience three days after that when they discovered that Jesus had risen again from the dead. But what they could understand in that moment was the explanation that Jesus gives them about why he is preaching this to them and why he's about to pray this prayer for them. Skip down a couple verses, verse 33, the very first part of the verse. Jesus says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Jesus says, in me you will have peace. In my presence you're going to have peace. But instead of continuing to talk about that more, Jesus again starts talking about the world. Second part of verse 33. He says, in this world, you will have what? You will have trouble. Jesus doesn't say, you're never going to have a bad day. Everything is always going to be okay for you. The wind's always going to be at your back. You're always going to be pain-free, carefree. Your appliance is never going to break down. No, Jesus promises them pain. Jesus promises them that persecution is coming, adversity, hardships, that sometimes your life is really, really going to suck. Welcome to Exponential, where we always preach uplifting and inspiring messages all the time to you, right? No, what do we preach here? We preach the truth. We preach what did Jesus actually say? And Jesus never said that you're not going to have bad days. Jesus said, in this world, you are going to have trouble and a lot of it. And that's where some of you find yourself today. Maybe you're in the midst of persecution or rejection. Maybe even though this is the first week of school, some of you students, you've already failed in some way. Maybe right now, for some of you, your confidence is at an all-time low. Some of you may be wrestling with depression or addiction. Some of you, maybe your marriage is hanging on by a thread or your finances are in complete ruin. For some of you, your, your health is in decline or you're not even sure if you're going to have your job by the end of this year. They're threatening to lay some people off. No matter what it is that you're going through, a lot of people go, whoa, 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 whoa. This isn't what I signed up for when, when I started to follow Jesus. I, I didn't think he was going to allow me to experience any, any of this. And so that's why you start asking questions like, God, why are you allowing this pain and doubt in my life? God, what is your purpose for all this in my life? And we'll get to that in just a second of what is the purpose of the pain and the hardships and the adversity that we face. But first, let's get to the promise. So let me remind you again. Look, look at verse 33. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But here's the promise. He says, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. So Jesus has overcome the world. But again, the question you have is, why did I have to experience any of this in the first place? Well, the answer is actually quite surprising. 
See, I, I believe there's a couple blessings that we get anytime pain and adversity and hardships come into our lives. And that's what I want to cover with you here today. So if you're taking notes, number one there on your outline is that trouble in my life proves whether my faith is genuine. Again, trouble in my life proves whether my faith is genuine. In 60 AD, this is only 27 years after the resurrection of Jesus, the persecution against followers of Jesus, these new people that are called Christians, and this new organization called the church, the persecution was just at an all-time high. It had been bad, but it was just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And part of the problem was that Nero had become the new Roman emperor, and he absolutely despised the Christians. He hated them with a passion. In fact, he found it like sport to sort of torture them in very unique ways. So how many of you have ever seen like, you know, the Roman Colosseums and in the arenas, you know, and people would come in, they'd have like chariot races that they would do, but then you've seen some of the things where they like put people in and feed them to the lions. Not only was Nero doing that with the Christians, but he was actually arresting some of the Christians and then he'd have these like big animals killed. He would have the animals then, he would skin them, or you know, his people would skin them, and he would actually take the Christians and he would sew them inside of the animal skins. And he'd release them then into these arenas, and they would release wild dogs, and the wild dogs would then think it was an animal, and they would go and start attacking until they actually killed the Christians. This guy was sick. Here's another thing he would do. He would have Christians rounded up, and he would have them coated in wax. And he was known for throwing these very elaborate parties, not just in his palace, but on the palace grounds as well. And so what he would do there on the palace grounds is he would have these Christians that were coated in wax, chained up to poles, and then lit on fire. Basically, they were human torches to provide light for these outdoor activities. This guy was a psychopath. And so this is the environment that the Christians were living in was that at any moment you could be arrested and you could be rounded up and tortured. And so it's in the context of that that the Apostle Peter, he, he writes this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 to 7. He says, In all this greatly rejoice, for although you must endure trials for a little time, these trials will show that your faith is what? These trials will show that your faith is genuine. Now, here's a very, very sobering thought. If Peter says there's such thing as a genuine faith, what does that mean also must exist? A fake faith. An unreal faith. A counterfeit faith. A faith that looks like it's real, but it's actually not. And the reason I say that this is a sobering thought is I've seen this. You know, I've been a pastor now for 23 years, coming up on 24 years now. And I've seen it all the time that people come in, they get excited about Jesus for a couple weeks, a couple months, some people even a couple years. But then at the first sign of trouble and adversity and hardship, first of all, they back away from the church, and then all of a sudden they start to back away from Jesus. You see, they thought that Jesus was going to say, you know what, follow me and you'll never ever have a bad day. But Jesus, he never said that. 
And really, this is the, the parable, the sower that, that Jesus talks about. Remember that one? Jesus talks about this guy, he's, he's throwing some seed, and some goes down on a path, some goes down on the rocky ground, some goes down into the, the thorns and the thistles, and it's sown there, and then some goes into the fertile soil. And later on, the disciples, they come to Jesus, and they go, Jesus, explain, what, what was this story all about? And Jesus, he, he explains what the, the seed being sown in each of the soils represents. He says, the, the, the seed, that's the word of God. And I'm not going to explain what he gave about what each of the, the different soils represent, but I want to give you the rocky ground, because here's what he says in Luke chapter 8, verse 13. He says, the seeds that fell on rocky ground are the people who gladly hear the message and accept it, but they don't have what? They don't have, they don't have what? They don't have deep roots. And they believe only for a little while. As soon as life gets hard, they give up. You see, trouble in your life and how you handle that trouble in your life, it helps to prove whether your faith is genuine or not. Do you really trust God or not? But what I see happening so often is people go, God, I didn't get that job, so you must not really love me. Or God, my, my loved one, they, they passed away from cancer or from something else, you must not hear my prayers. Or God, you allowed this tough situation into my life, so maybe you're not even real at all. That's not true. He's very, very real. Jesus said, in this world, you will have what? You will have trouble, but take heart. He says, for I have overcome the world. And he said, in me, you're going to find peace. You're going to have peace in your life. You'll have it. But you got to hold on. You got to persevere through it. But you'll have that peace. I've shared with you before this uh, story, and I'm not going to share all of it because I know it's probably only been within the last year that I've given you uh, the, the full context of it. But it was the, the very first time that I, I realized that, wow, my faith is really becoming strong. It, it's really real now. Remember, I, I became a follower of Jesus in 93, and this was like in 1996 or so. I was still doing magic professionally and performing, and I had a lot of corporate gigs, and I was uh, basically putting all of my, my eggs into one basket. I had one particular corporate client that, like, man, they were hiring me for thing after thing after thing after thing, and I really wasn't expanding out and getting more clients. And I'll never forget, I got home one day, there was a message on the answering machine, and it said, Mr. Thurston, we are no longer going to need you to perform for our corporation. And my immediate response was I dropped down to my knees, and I started praising God and thanking God, saying, God, I don't understand this, but you must have something much better prepared for me. And it wasn't until a couple hours later, or maybe even a day later, that I looked back on it and go, well, that was weird. Because that hasn't, it wasn't how the old Gilbert would have acted. Because the old Gilbert before Jesus was so afraid and, and always shaking about things and, and always so nervous and, and like throwing, literally throwing up about things. But I had such a peace in that moment that I dropped to my knees and I was thanking God. And that's when I sort of realized, wow, my faith really is genuine here. 
I'm not just saying that I'm trusting in God, that I'm following after Jesus with all my heart. This has become real for me. Paul, he described it this way. He said, it's a peace which surpasses all human understanding and it will guard your heart and it's going to guard your mind in Christ Jesus. And so I want to ask you, when trouble comes your way, what is your immediate response? Because your immediate response shows whether your faith is genuine or not. In those moments, do you have that peace which surpasses all understanding? Are you continuing in the, the midst of hardships and adversity to, to continue to dig into God's word? Are you continuing to show up to church on Sundays? Are you showing up and your hands are raised and you're still singing about the goodness of God even though right now life sucks for you? If you are, that's a good sign that your faith is genuine, that you haven't given up. You're saying, God, I don't understand it all, but you do, and so I still trust in you. All right, number two then. Trials in my life prepare me for purpose. You know, we all want to be used by God. We all want to serve the, the purpose in life that God has designed us for and created us for. But in order to do that, we have got to learn how to grow stronger in our faith. We have got to, to learn to, to trust him more. We've got to get stronger in our faith, stronger in our trust, stronger in our convictions. Here's a little spoiler alert for life in case you haven't figured it out yet, though. We don't get stronger when we're comfortable. That's why people hate going to the gym. Going to the gym is not comfortable. You don't go, I'm going off to the gym because this is my comfortable place. No, if you're really doing it right, now you may enjoy it. JT, he enjoys it. He enjoys going there, but it doesn't mean it's comfortable. You know why he's so big? Because he pushed through the pain. He pushed through the resistance. It's not comfortable. How do we build our endurance? How do we build our strength? It's pushing through. So that's what we need to understand is anytime pain or resistance or discomfort or adversity come into our lives, God is actually helping us to build our faith. Or in the words of that great theologian, Kelly Clarkson, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Remember a couple months ago, we did a whole series in the book of James. And he talked about this very thing. And my favorite verse is out of James, and it was really the, the theme of the series. Let's look at it again. James 1, 2 to 4. He says, consider it what? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith Produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Trials make you stronger. Testing makes you stronger. This is all preparation for the purpose that God has for you here on this earth. And so when you're rejected, realize that it's making you stronger. When you're criticized, realize that's making me stronger. Every hardship should be something that's making the, the roots grow deeper. Remember, Jesus said that the seed that was 
sown on the, the rocky ground. Those were the people that they eagerly accepted the word of God. But as soon as a little bit of hardship came their way, they walked away. Why? Because the roots weren't deep. So again, every pain and every adversity that you face should be making your roots grow deeper and your trust grow stronger. Again, that's what should be happening. Sometimes it doesn't. So it's in these moments that you got to be asking yourself, do I really believe everything that Jesus said about me? That I am more than a conqueror. That he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. That I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Again, it's that resistance that prepares us for our purpose. It prepares us for something greater that God wants us to be involved in. Something that we're going to do in our future. I mean, we see stories like this in Scripture, don't we? Of God using hardships to prepare something for what he wanted them to ultimately do. And who he wanted them to ultimately become. Think of Joseph in the Old Testament. Here's a guy that is rejected by his very own brothers. In fact, so rejected, they sell him into slavery. And then what happens? Now he's a slave and he falsely gets accused of rape and he gets thrown into prison then. But all the while, his trust in God was growing. All the while, those roots were getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Why did God allow him to go through all these things? Because he was preparing him for what he wanted him to do, which was become the second in command over all of Egypt. And ultimately, that's exactly what happened. Or think about Peter in the New Testament. Peter's the guy that got out on the boat. He's walking on the water, but he takes his eyes off of Jesus. He starts to sink. Everybody's laughing at him. Peter's the guy that Jesus says, look, you guys are all going to leave me behind. Peter says, look, Jesus, not only am I not going to leave you behind, I will die with and for you. Jesus, I'm with you thick and thin. Jesus says, Peter, 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 you're going to deny three times you even know me. Peter's like, not me. Sure enough, not once, not twice, but three different times. Peter denies that he even knows Jesus. Why did God allow him to go through those times of pain and difficulty? It's because God was preparing him to become the leader of this new movement, this thing called the ecclesia, or what we would translate as the church. Peter never would have gotten into that place of trusting God the way that he ultimately trusts God, to stand up on the day of Pentecost and and to preach before everybody. He, He would have never had that boldness if it wasn't for the trials. And then they kept arresting Peter then time after time after time after time for preaching about Jesus. They said, stop preaching about Jesus, but he just keeps on doing it, even though they're beating him and whipping him and they're doing all kinds of things. And ultimately, his faith was so strong that he was martyred for Jesus. And remember, it was Peter then at that moment that said, I don't even deserve, because they wanted to crucify him. He says, I don't even deserve to die in the same way that my Lord did. And so if you're going to do it, please do it upside down. And so that's what they did. They, they executed him. They crucified him upside down. 
See, the, the tough times that come into your life, the pain that comes into your life, man, that is preparing you for something so much greater. Your roots have to get deep. See, I hate to burst your bubble, but God's preparation for you often comes packaged as pain. And so we got to change our attitude. We got to stop, stop telling ourselves that, look, this isn't, you know, or, we can't say that this is pain. We got to say that this is actually God preparing me for something better. That, you know what, this pain isn't happening to me. This is God preparing something for me. That I'm not being turned down right now. I'm being actually toughened up. That this isn't a setback. This is actually God setting me up for something greater in the future. Jesus never said that you're not going to have bad days. Truth of the matter is your boyfriend's still going to break up with you. You're still going to lose your job. Your plumbing is going to back up. All kinds of bad things are going to happen. Jesus gave us this promise. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. But the promise was, take heart, for I have overcome the world. And so for those of us that follow Jesus, that we've given him the, the leadership of our lives, we've asked for his forgiveness of our sin, when we give him our full lives like that, he gives us his spirit, and he says, now you can overcome the world as well. And now the, the peace, that peace which surpasses all human understanding, is going to guard your heart, and it's going to guard your mind. So Jesus never said, you're not going to have bad days. In fact, he promised quite the opposite. But he promised to be there with us. And again, there is blessing in that. It strengthens us. It encourages us. It, it gives us the, the strength and the, the courage to move forward, to do what it is that God would have for us to do. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come together to once again hear your word. And Lord, to sort of... Uh, hypothetically talk about some things that you never said, but then to look at what you actually did say. And Lord, this is why it's so important that we dig into your word all the time, because a lot of times we hear a little bit of what we think you said, and, and actually some things that you did say, but then we sort of fill in that blank of what we hope you said, not what you actually said. And so this was another tough word to hear today, that you didn't promise us pain-free, carefree lives. You promised trouble. You promised pain. But that pain has a purpose behind it. And so, Lord, help us to, to do what James encouraged us to do, to consider it pure joy whenever we face trials of many kinds because that testing of our faith is going to develop perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work. So we may be mature and complete, not lacking for anything. Lord, that's what we want. We want our, our roots to grow deep so that we are mature and not lacking for anything. The promise in that is pain. It's not comfort, it's pain. So help us to change our attitudes. Help us to change our, our mindsets going forward. To actually rejoice in the midst of hardship and trials and adversity. And realize that, God, you're setting us up for something great where you're going to show up and then you're going to show off. And people are going to be like, wow, look at what God did in the midst of all that. And Lord, I pray that in those moments, 
we would not fail to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for that. That we would say, don't look at me, look at Jesus in me, because he is the one that gave me this new mind. He gave me the new attitude. He gave me the strength to get through. He gave me the peace to get through. Lord, help us always to be pointing to you in the same way that your spirit is always pointing to you. Help us to do that same thing. To not try to get honor and glory for ourselves, but to give it to you. Not just in the good times, but in the bad times as well. Thank you, Jesus, that your word is true. You are not a liar. And you're going to help us to overcome, to be more than conquerors. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.